Uh, well, Father, I thank you that tonight is a divine appointment. I thank you that tonight is, let me say it again, a divine appointment. I thank you that for every single person that is listening tonight, Father, that this is a word in due season. I thank you that this is an appointment that is on their calendar because it's on your calendar. And I thank you that they're not listening to this by um, accident. Uh, and that uh, I just, right now, Father, I just call them awake. I call them awake to the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. I call them awake to the realm of the Spirit, Father. I thank you that they are uh, alive in Christ and that they are aware, starting right this moment, Father, of the move of your uh, Spirit in their life. But I also, Father, thank you that from this moment forward, they're aware of the the strategy of the enemy and what the enemy has been doing in darkness below their awareness. And so, Father, I call them awake. I call them aware. And I shine the light on the strategy of the enemy. And I declare that today it ends. <laughs> I, I declare, Father, that today is the day of victory. I declare that this, this teaching tonight, Father, sets the captive free. I thank you that the truth that uh, needs to be spoken to expose what needs to be exposed, Father, is being released. And I thank you that what is exposed, Father, by the light is destroyed by the light. I thank you that light doesn't fight. <laughs> I thank you that it dispels. And so I just thank you that tonight the works of the devil are being dissolved. They're being dispelled, Father. The, that perfect love is just dispelling fear. It's casting out fear. I thank you that faith is arising, Father. I thank you that words that need to be spoken, Father, are being brought to our conscious minds, Father. I thank you that uh, the turnaround and the breakthrough begins as it, just, just at this moment, Father. Uh, before we started worship, I said that tonight is one of these moments in time that changes everything. I know it's a tall order for a podcast. I know it's a tall order for a, a Sunday night teaching. But God, I serve a God who created everything in six days. <laughs> so I thank you, God, that all things are possible. We can believe, and I just decree it and declare it. And so, Father, we thank you for it. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, that as I begin tonight, you're going to just form the words, you're going to form the thoughts, you're going to put the message together in the way that you want to speak it. And I want to thank you for the strategy for this hour. And uh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So about a week ago, uh, I was just spending time with God uh, in the morning before I got my day started. And I heard the Lord say, it's like the ninth inning of 2018. He said, you know, we've got, it's middle of October when we're recording this podcast. So you've got two and a half months. But really it doesn't matter when you're listening to the podcast because the truth is faith is always now. <laughs> and the, today is the day of salvation. Why am I saying that? It's like, it's like this ninth inning of 2018. And for a lot of us, and this isn't just in 2018. I think a lot of us suffer under this lie that it is too late. That it is too late to do, for God to do something with our lives. Or it's too late for 2018 to be the, the best year you ever lived. It's too, it's too late for, 
you just can fill in the blank. It's too late. And so when God was talking to me about it being the ninth inning, he was kind of talking about how in a baseball game, you know, the ninth inning is the last inning, but you know what? The game's not over. You know, even if you're behind, you know, the game's not over. But the mental game, the mental game is what determines how you show up in the ninth inning. If you're behind in the game and you show up with a mental game that says it's too late, the game's already over, well, I mean, you might get up to bat, but you aren't getting up to bat. That's not you. That's not the champion you. That's not the overcomer you. That's not the, the, the one that has the potential to hit it out of the, home, out of the ballpark and turn the game around, right? That's not the champion you. And so the reason he was sharing this with me is like, okay, it's the ninth inning, and it really doesn't matter where you are on your, I mean, I know you think it does, but just hear me. It doesn't really matter where you are on the goals that you set for your life for this year or the, go- the goals that God gave you for this year because it's not too late. And I prayed a moment ago, and I said that God created the earth in six days. <laughs> and the reason why it takes us so long to do anything is because we don't create the way God created. We are living, for the most part, under a fallen world system that operates according to sense knowledge. It operates according to the five physical senses, and it believes that, all, that what you can see and what you can touch and what you can smell and what you can hear and what you can taste is all that there is. And the world system is constantly having you perform for something in the natural. But the kingdom of God supersedes the world system. Uh, God did not, when he created the heavens and the earth, he didn't didn't function naturally. He functioned supernaturally. He spoke the worlds into existence. He understood that words are what govern the seen realm. And he understood that as God, he was creating sons of God, that were in his likeness and in his image, and they were created to function like him. It means that we, you know that we were never designed by God to be trapped in the seen realm. We were never designed by God to operate by our five physical senses, to be totally led by our feelings. We were created by God to create the way that he creates. Now, So, if Jesus was in the ninth inning of the ball game, and he was getting up to bat, we would have no doubt that he would, every time he got up to bat, he would hit a home run. The problem is, is that we don't see ourselves like him. We actually see ourselves as a version of ourselves that is independent from him. And so we don't recognize where our potential, how much potential we actually have. That our potential is Christ. Paul in Ephesians said it this way. I'm sorry, Paul in Colossians said it this way in 127. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say it a different way. Christ in you, the potential of glory. And so... 
the first point I'm making, I don't know if I'm making it super clear, but the first point I'm making is that it's not too late. It's not too late for you to knock it out of the ballpark. Not just in 2018, but with your life. And let me tell you this, the enemy does not want you to knock it out of the ballpark. The enemy does not want you to operate supernaturally. The enemy does not want you to live by faith. The enemy does not want you to grow up and to learn the power of your words. He does not, he wants to use your words against you. And he wants to keep you asleep so that you, he didn't have to mess with you. How many of you know sleeping people aren't dangerous? You can just let them asleep. Just don't wake them up. Just don't disturb them. And they're not going to, they're not going to bother anything. And so he doesn't want you to wake up. I mean, I remember probably the biggest fight of my life with, with the, the realm of darkness. And, and let me just say this. The realm of darkness even wants you to think that's nonsense. Like, who am I to be the attention of the realm of darkness? Like, doesn't the devil have something better to do than be following me around? <laughs> well, let me tell you when you become dangerous and he, you get on his radar screen. You get on his radar screen when you start to learn your authority. You see, you get on his radar screen when you start to understand that Jesus is the lawful owner of all things, that all authority and all power have been given unto him. And at the name of Jesus, everything must bow. And you start to lay hands on the sick because you have confidence that Jesus became sickness. And you have confidence that that cancer that's in that body is illegal because Jesus bore it on the cross. And you start to recognize that heaven invaded earth and that it wasn't a joke, that it actually happened. And you start to recognize that there's a jurisdiction of heaven that makes things that aren't in heaven illegal. And you start to curse and you start to bind and you start to disallow in your presence everything that Jesus disallowed in his presence, which was lack, which was sickness, which was demonic activity. And you start to become a person that is enforcing heaven and they can say about you the way they said about Jesus, hey, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because the kingdom of heaven is in you and you showed up. And when you start to get that straight and you start to begin to operate in that, let me tell you, the devil does wake up. Because the reason is, is because he can't afford for you to know that. And he can't afford for you to operate in that. Because if you really, really believe it, and you really start to operate in it, you will strip him of everything that he doesn't own, but he thinks is his. You know, when Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, the only thing the devil said is, if you are the son of God. In other words, do you know who you really are? And then, in the last temptation, he came to him and he said, all the kingdoms of the world I will give to you. So don't tell me that Satan didn't steal something from Adam. What did he steal from Adam? He stole his authority. He stole his, he stole his dominion over the earth. And that's why Satan, he earned the title because he stole it from Satan. I mean, from Adam is God of this world. And so he came to Jesus and he said, all of this, all these kingdoms, I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
right? And then he came out of the wilderness with power. But here's the deal. On the cross, Jesus stripped the devil. He stripped him of the title God of this world. He stripped him of all authority and all power, it says in Matthew 28. I mean, all authority. All means all. I did a study on that scripture one time because that word power and authority can be translated two different ways, dunamis and and exousia. And exousia means literally like authority, like I have the legal authority to be operating like a police officer. They have the, the, the legal authority to be carrying a gun and shoot you if you threaten someone else or you're a threat to society, they can, they can kill you. They can lock you up. They can put you in jail. Why? Because they have authority. They have delegated authority of the government to enforce the law. And when Jesus said he had exousia, he, had, he has authority, all authority, all. And then he has, and he has dunamis, all power. The only power the devil has is the power that humans believe he has. Because it, he was stripped. It says in Colossians that, that, he was, that, that Jesus made an open display over him. He, they disarmed the principalities, it says. It means that he doesn't have anything, nothing left. He's been stripped. But he, here's the deal. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. And so he's convinced the whole world that, that somehow he's got something. When he's sitting on the stuff that Jesus won. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that he is the express image of, the, of God. But then it goes on to say in the Amplified Version that Jesus is the lawful owner of all things. Everything. That chair you're sitting in. <laughs> The car you're driving. I know that your name may be on the title, but Jesus is the lawful owner. And guess what? In Romans 8, 16, you are a joint heir. You are a joint heir. And the enemy does not want you to know this. When I talk about stripping him, I'm literally talking about stripping him of something that he's sitting on that doesn't belong to him. And he's controlling the earth through systems, through media, through government, through education, through the financial systems, because those, those don't operate by faith. See, the kingdom of God operates by faith, and faith overcomes the world. Amen. And you do not get into your destiny, to your divine destiny, any other way in the kingdom but by faith. You don't get to work your way in, because that's a fallen system. No, you take it. You take it, and you get aggressive, and you take it. Because the devil's sitting on your stuff that is tied to your destiny, that is tied to setting people free. You know, my dad happens to be in town, and there just happens to be the, I don't know, mega millions or whatever the lotto is, and it's at like $1.6 billion. And my dad kind of laughs because, you know, he, he plays the lotto. He's, he's a cool cat. He's a funny guy. I don't say anything. I mean, you know not he's he's awesome loves the lord plays a lot of anyway he's been you know talking about it since he's been here 1.6 billion man when i win that i'm not gonna tell anybody i'm gonna do it anonymously i'm not gonna tell anybody if i call you 
If I call you and I say, get on down here, you'll know why. You'll know why. Oh, yeah, he says this. And then he says, he thinks about, what would I do with 1.6 billion? And he, he can't think of it. He can't think of stuff. I'm like, dude, I know, I, I can think of a hundred, I can think of 1.6 billion things to do with 1.6 billion dollars. And that's exactly why the enemy didn't want me to have it. And I'm not talking about the lotto, I'm talking about the fact that the enemy does not want you to control anything. He doesn't want you to own anything, he doesn't want you to have any influence and we are not, this is not a joke. It is not a joke. Like, I, it's very easy to fall asleep and just think that we're just down here taking up space till Jesus comes back. No. We are called to be fruitful and multiply, to replenish the earth and take dominion. We are called to go into all the world and make disciples. We, are, we have a great commission that says, make the earth look like heaven. Be a witness that I am who I say I am, and that I did what I said I did. And be a witness. Let your life be a testimony to who actually, Jesus Christ actually is, which means we actually have to know. And it means we actually can't forget. And I, I went back to the beginning when I said it's not too late for 2018 because my second point is the only problem, <laughs> let me just, I'm going to talk about my own journal because God's been, he's been, he's been, he's been telling me straight, been telling me straight. I'm thankful that he tells me straight because I need to hear it straight. Because he asked me, he said, do you think you have a problem? I got because the truth is in my mind, I got a couple problems. If you got, a, if you got a couple problems, raise your hand. Right? Everybody in the room raised their hand. He asked me, he said, do you think you have a problem? And I mean, I thought it was kind of a stupid question. I'm like, well, yeah, I got a problem. He said, well, was the storm a problem to Jesus or the disciples? He said, was the, 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 the fact they didn't have enough food to feed the multitude a problem for Jesus or a problem for the disciples? Hmm. And I said, well, I said, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if Jesus thought it was a problem that he solved or if he just didn't see it as a problem. I'm not quite sure how he related to it. It was obviously a problem for the disciples. I'm not sure about it with Jesus. And then he just began... <laughs> Because, you know, problems, here's the thing about problems. Problems confuse us. And problems, we think, we're trying to solve them. You know, we're confused about how do you solve the problem. And so then God just said to me, you're not confused. You're deceived. Okay, that's pretty cool. Like, all right. He's like Eve, like Eve, you've been convinced that you don't have something you've already got. And 
you're letting the scene realm completely dominate you. I have created you to operate by faith. I have created you to walk by faith and not by sight. I have created you to speak to things. Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall have what he says. Every problem you think's a problem is a mountain you aren't moving. I created you to function the way I function. I created you to move mountains with your words. I created you to still storms with your words. I created you to bless what's in your possession and command it to multiply. Every miracle you see Jesus doing is how I created you to function. When you read the Gospels, you read the way Adam was supposed to operate. And so you, my child, are deceived. And you are operating like a, like a fallen version of man. There are no problems in the kingdom. He said the word problem is not in my vocabulary. It's a fallen word. And what you call a miracle, I call work. He said, let's get to work. You think you've been working? You've been toiling. All under the curse. You will earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Never my original design. You were designed to function like a king. To decree a thing and it be done. There are angels waiting for your words. Have I not given you an assignment? Now, this may sound like this is for me, but this is not for me. (laughs) This is for you. And I feel like if it was possible for God to be behind schedule, 
that he's a little behind schedule. But he's behind schedule because of our unbelief. And our inability to recognize the tactic of the enemy. And so if this has been a particularly, let me just say this. This is, what, this is a very specific strategy of the enemy. And this may be what he's doing to you. So I just want to share it. Okay. And how, how do I describe it? It's like, oh, let me just say it this way. It's self-sabotage. Okay, but it's self-sabotage. You think it's self-sabotage. Let me say it that way. You think it's self-sabotage, but it's really enemy-inspired sabotage. Because what he does (laughs) is it's like he pushes a button and causes a response in you or causes a behavior of some kind. And then gets you to beat yourself up for actually doing that behavior or having that response. When he installed the button. And so it's self-accusation and it's just a totally self-focused strategy. And Because here's the deal. If you're focused on you, you're not focused on him. You're not taking authority over the devil because you're too busy beating yourself up. And that is a massive strategy that the enemy is using. He doesn't have to beat you up. You're beating yourself up. And so I feel like I'm here. My assignment tonight is to wake you up. To wake you up to that you aren't, first of all, just you're not nuts. I, I feel like some the enemy has been on the atmosphere and the pressure that has been on some of us has literally, is at, at, a, at a level that would cause you to question your sanity. And I want to tell you that this is, a, that you are in the middle of a spiritual battle. And I, I know even the enemy wants to make you laugh at that. And some of these self-accusations that come even from that statement are, well, who am I? Like, why would he be fighting about me? I'm a nobody. Like, doesn't he have somebody else better to spend his time on? And I'm telling you that if you are listening to this message right now, first of all, what I'm speaking, just the fact that you're hearing what I'm speaking makes you dangerous. Because if you get this, he's done. This one message, one message, just one message, if you got it. If you looked up the scriptures and were like, oh my gosh, and really got the gospel. Jesus really did win it all. Jesus really does have all authority. Oh my God, the devil has no authority. Jesus really is the lawful of owner of all things. The earth really is redeemed. Oh my God. Like if you really got this, just listening to this makes you dangerous. And I am telling you with everything that's in, within me, you are under spiritual attack. There is an attack on your waking up. You waking up <laughs> to the, 
not just waking up. Let me tell you where the real attack is. The real attack is on your words. He wants you, he doesn't want you to speak a thing except what's in agreement with the curse, what's in agreement with the fall, what's in agreement with everything that is about the kingdom of darkness. He wants you to say that. I mean, and I know, I, I get this, because this isn't my first rodeo. I've been to the rodeo. I rode the bull. I stayed on eight seconds. I kicked that bull's butt. It's not my first rodeo. I, I'm a champion at the rodeo. I just sometimes forget. And I remember the first time I woke up, that dude had had me <laughs> so messed up, crazy as a loon. I literally was crazy. Why? Because I'd called myself crazy for 33 years. I don't know if I said it when I was a kid. I don't know when I started saying it, but I said it for decades. And when I, when I realized that I had been, I just heard this in the spirit. Somebody needs to quit calling themselves fat. Hey! I mean, I know that may seem vain or whatever, but I heard it clear as a bell. Don't you say a word about yourself that is not in agreement with who you are in heaven. And there's only superheroes in heaven. It's another realm. (laughs) Another realm. Makes Superman look like a chump. I didn't see Superman walking through walls. I didn't see Superman walking on water. He might can fly, but okay. He didn't have nothing on the king's kids. But that's ultimately, let me say this, that's ultimately what the enemy's after. He's after your words. And let me tell you how he does it. He does it by getting your your thoughts way messed up. So you just, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're constantly talking. And we have what we've said. Right? Right? And so if we're, going to, if we're going to have something different, we're going to have to say something different. You cannot, you cannot transform the seen realm talking about how dark it is and how void it is and look at the chaos. I mean, God didn't come out in Genesis chapter 1 and say, wow, look at this mess. What are we going to do about this mess? This void, this chaos. Who is responsible for this? Bring them to me. Who made this mess? Who made this void? No, he just said, let there be light. I don't know what you need to say, let there be. But but we need to speak some things. And I will tell you, the seen realm is confused. Because the sons of God have forgotten or never realized who they are. You're not going to change the outside until you speak it from the inside. And let me tell you, there is resistance against your words. And guess what? When you speak them, the resistance turns up. 
Why? Because the devil can't afford for you to get this. His job is to make you doubt. When Peter was walking on water, here he is dominating the seen realm, doing the same works that Jesus did, you know, being a son of God. And then he looked around at the wind, he looked around at the waves, and he was like, oh my God, I shouldn't be out here. What am I doing? I have no business out here on the water, walking on the water. This is scary. This storm is bad. Ah, began to sink. Why? Because he doubted. Jesus said, oh, Peter, wherefore did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Let me say it to you. Why are you doubting? Why are you doubting? You're doubting yourself? Well, Get your eyes off yourself. You're not praying in the name of Joe. You're not speaking in the name of Barbara. You're speaking to mountains in the name of Jesus. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the king of kings. This is Jesus' realm. You're in Christ. And by the way, you're hidden in there. So if you're going to look at you, you better look at Jesus because that's where you got to go to find you. So the deception is that there's a you apart from him. There, so I, first of all, I just want to say this too. Second of all, third of all, I don't know what point it is. Twentieth of all. The, the doubt is the strategy. So don't get... Don't get mad at yourself for doubting. I mean, yeah, you know, he did say, Peter, why'd you doubt? But then he just picked him up. I mean, I'm just here to say, like, doubt is like the arch enemy of faith. You move the mountain when you don't doubt. So, Shalise, how do I stop doubting? 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 Well, it's a really good question. How do you know that, that Peter wouldn't have doubted if he hadn't looked at the storm? He focused on the wrong thing. So he wasn't focusing on what Jesus said. Jesus said, come. He wasn't focusing on Jesus being on the water, watching Jesus walk on the water. No, it says, if we read the story, and I know I'm preaching a lot of word tonight without going to a scripture. I probably should go to a scripture. Um, I'm preaching the word. (laughs) I just haven't gone to it. Let me just go to it. But there's a, a particular translation of this story of Peter walking on the water in the amplified version that it says when he perceived the wind. So it was literally Peter's focus that caused the doubt. So I'm going to go to the one in uh, Mark. Mark chapter 6. Okay, let me see if I can find it here. Okay, it says this. Now let me get on the amplified version. All righty, and we're going to go down to verse... We'll start in verse 46. It says, well, verse 45. It says, at once he insisted the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida. But while he was sending the, the throng away, 
says, while he was sending the throng away. And after he had taken leave of them, he went off to the hills to pray. Now, when evening had come, the boat was out in the middle of the lake, and he was by himself on the land. And having seen that they were troubled and tormented in their rowing, say toil, for the wind was against them, about the fourth night, fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them walking directly on the sea. He acted as if he meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, my theory is that it was, he was joking with them. But that's my theory. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they raised a deep-throaty shriek of terror, for they saw him and were agitated, troubled with fear and dread. But immediately he talked with them and said, Take heart, I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. Oh, wait, this is not Peter walking on the water. This is Jesus walking on the water. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, well, that's when Jesus walked on the water. Let me find where Peter walked on the water. All right. Sorry about that. Here we go. Well, here we go. All right, we'll go to Matthew 14. I'm slowing it down a second just to give you the scripture reference for this. Because it's, it's really, I'm telling you, this doubt thing is, is a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's the thing that keeps us from moving mountains. It's the thing that keeps us from speaking to the storm. All right, so here we go. All right. So I'll just start here. When the disciples, verse 26, saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They screamed out with fright. But instantly he spoke to them saying, Take courage. It's I am. Stop being afraid. And then Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But this is what I wanted to bring out. In verse 30, 30 he says, But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened. And as he began to sink, he cried out, cried out, Lord, save me from death. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and held him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And so it says here that when he perceived and felt the strong wind. So here's what I want to share with you. The things that you are perceiving as problems, the things that you are feeling as problems, the storm, whatever, however it's manifesting, is not the problem. The problem is your focus. The problem is, is, is that you are not focused... <laughs> On Jesus, You're not focused on the words that he's spoken. I mean, the enemy is after your focus. He's after your, the meditation of your mind. He's after the things that you are, are, are focused on and what you're thinking on. And so when you are in a, a season of transforming the scene, you are, you've got goals in front of you. It's the ninth inning of the year. And you've got something in front of you that seems like a giant. It seems like a mountain. And for some of you, let me just say this. 
you should have your debts paid off by December 31st. For some, you should have something down on paper that is bigger than your ability to do. There's a mountain that looks like a problem, but it's not a problem. The only reason it's a problem is because you hadn't spoken to it. And so here, I want us to say, say these words together. We're just going to break off the power of the words that we have spoken that are operating in the atmosphere around us, that the enemy has been using to perpetuate his plan in our life rather than God's plan in our life. All right? So just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus... I break off every word that I have spoken and every thought that I have thought that is not in agreement with the mind of God and the heart of God and the word of God. And I call these things powerless. I call them void, null and void. And inoperative and illegal. They will no longer operate against me or against anything that they were attached to in Jesus' name. <laughs> now, I want you to write down one to five or just put them in your phone, whatever you need to do. One to five mountains that seem impossible. Now, here's the way I want. As you're doing that, you can listen to me. One to five mountains. This could be debt. This could be, uh, you know, a sickness. This could be a goal that. So five mountains, one to five mountains. This could be a mountain of debt. This could be a marriage issue. This could be anything. Anything that you that feels impossible. Feels like a problem. Hey! It can be about anything. There's no rules. There's no rules. But somebody better start speaking to it. Absolutely it can be for somebody else. I have seen, when I spoke, I made a decision one time to just pray for someone. I had a friend of mine that said, we're going to pray for this person. They had lost their mind, literally. Locked themselves in their apartment, had voices in their head, were taken apart, the baseboards, um, I mean, lost their, I mean, they were, literally had lost their mind. And me and my friend said, we're going to pray for them, we're going to call it, talk it, I forget, you know, maybe 10 o'clock every day for the next seven days, we pray, we pray for maybe 30 minutes. We just took authority over it. Just took authority over it, said, no, in Jesus' name, get your mind off them, just spoke, spoke, you know. They've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You insane spirit. We take authority over you. Get out of there. That person came right to, into their right mind. Woke up. Got delivered. Why? Because we, somebody spoke. Yeah? Now, whoo! Now, <laughs> there is, I can feel so much resistance to this. I can feel it while I'm talking. Oh, the devil's mad. He, is, he does not want me to open my mouth. He does not want me to open my mouth. 
And let me say this. He does not want you to open your mouth. So it is going to feel, it may not, you may not feel like saying a word. But let me tell you what, you're going to have to speak. You may have to start by speaking to your feelings. You may have to start by saying, listen here, mind. Listen here, devil. I'm going to talk and you're not going to shut me up. Feelings, since when are you running the show? Last time I checked, Jesus is Lord. Right? You might have to, you might, I'm telling you, you might have to get freaky deaky with this thing. And just like, you, you know, get a little radical with this thing. Because here's the thing, you've got to get fed up. The devil has got you hemmed in, trapped, feeling like you're a victim, helpless, and all the while the miracle's in your very own mouth. How messed up is that? Anyway, so just, you know, just pick one. (laughs) Pick one of the mountains, right? And then I I just want you to get the truth of God's word about that mountain. So if it's a financial mountain, you might want to get something like uh, 2 Corinthians. I'm just going to think it's 8, 9. Let me just go there. This kind of covers them all. I I like to just kind of get one fail swoop scripture. So it's, I always get it wrong. It said that 8, 9. Then I typed in 9, 8 because they're both about finances. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the Lord, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So guess what? You're not poor. You, in Christ, are rich. When's the last time you spoke that out of your mouth? I am rich. Lack is illegal. Debt is illegal. It was all absorbed. All of poverty, all of lack was absorbed into Jesus. He was made poor. He was made poor as much as he was made sin. He was made poor as much as he was made sickness. He was made made broke so that I could be made rich. So debt, get out of my life. Lack, get out of my life. Poverty, get out of my life. Unpaid bills, get out of my life. You are illegal. Okay? Sickness. There's scriptures in there for that. Right? (laughs) By his stripes, you were healed. There are scriptures for everything. Why do I want you to tie it to the word of God? Well, first of all, the word of God is a sword. It's the sword of the spirit. And the word of God is alive. Right? The word of God is the truth. <laughs> And so it just gets your mind in agreement with the truth. And then I just, I want to speak to it every single day. Every day. Some of you need to do it more than once a day. Like in the morning when you get up, and let me say this already, you're not going to feel like it. The devil's going to make sure of that. If you have to wait till you feel like it, 
to speak to something, you will be controlled the rest of your life. So you're going to, like a robot, like a little robot, just get up, and I don't care what you got to do. You got to turn on some worship music, got to turn on some teaching, turn on this podcast to get your mind right, do that. Or if you just get your coffee and get up and take your piece of paper and just begin to speak to it, you may want to write out what you're going to say. Now, listen, when you're doing this, this is not some kind of religious, even though I said you're kind of like a robot, you might start like that. But let me say this. This is not just some religious activity I'm asking you to do. This is, this is an activity I am telling you that this is the key to breakthrough. Many of you have been praying for a key. Give me a key, God. What, give me the key to the breakthrough. And the key is in your mouth. You know what? It wasn't the rock in David's slingshot that killed that giant. It was the words he spoke to that giant before he ever pulled that slingshot back. He said, this day. I will feed your head and the host of the army of the, of the Philistines to the birds. This day, he said, who are you, giant? Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? And that's how you need to speak to the things going on in your life that are illegal in heaven. You need, to, you need to personify that thing. Because you know what? It's already talking to you. Jesus came up to that tree, that fig tree, and he spoke to an inanimate object. He said, listen here. No man will ever eat fruit from you again. 24 hours that tree was dried up from the root. Why? Because the seen realm responds to faith. To words spoken in faith. And you, whatever unbelief that has kept you from speaking to that thing, that's why I want you to get the word of God. And you're going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me some revelation about this. Give me revelation. Show me the truth. Right? Show me what Jesus actually has done with this thing that I think is a problem. And just get into prayer. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I just said my dad was in town. Well, you know, he, he's been having back problems. He almost didn't get to come. Doctor said he's got osteoporosis and blah, 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 blah. I mean, he was literally like immobile. And it was, you know, I prayed for him. Praise God, he got on the plane and came out. And then the first day he was pretty good. The next morning he woke up and he, he was, couldn't hardly move. And so I just, be, you know, I didn't even think twice about it. I just, you know, began to pray for him, grew his legs out, spoke to the back. I mean, you know, 15 minutes, he was fine. Why am I sharing that? Because for me, you know, I've been in the ministry of healing. I taught healing for 10 years at Bill Winston's church in Chicago, seen thousands upon thousands upon at this point, tens of thousands of people healed. So in the presence of something like that, it doesn't even not occur to me not to pray. Like, I mean, my first reaction 
is, well, dude, sit down, lift your legs up. Let me pray for your back. I see backs, backs are easy. And I just go for it. In the name of Jesus, I speak to those vertebrae. I speak to those discs in Jesus' name, and I command them to be healed. I speak to the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, and nerves. I command them to get into alignment. Pain, you leave. You're illegal. In the name of Jesus, get out of his body. Legs grow out. Spine, get into alignment. I just began to speak to that body in Jesus' name. Doesn't even, doesn't even occur to me not to do that. And it also doesn't occur to me for it not to work. I expect that. To, that I expected my dad. I told my dad, when you come here, this is what I said. When you come, you're going back healed. Now, I'd love to say that I operate at that level in every single area of my life. But I'll tell you what, here's what I am saying. I do operate in that kind of faith in every area of my life. I'm going to even stop saying that. But but the reason it's second nature to me is because my mind is renewed. I have studied the word of God. I have seen it reinforced over and over and over. No man will ever convince me that Jesus Christ does not have authority over sickness and disease. I don't care what its name is. I don't care what it looks like. It's a done deal. Do I see everyone get healed? Nope. Does that change the truth? Nope. Does it change what happened at the cross? Nope. And it's the same for every problem, so-called, quote-unquote, problem that we we think we're facing. The problem is we don't walk up to it and say, in the name of Jesus, and start speaking to it the way I speak to vertebrae and the way I speak to spinal cords and the way that I speak to nerves and muscles and ligaments and tendons. And I'll tell you what, if muscles, nerves, ligaments, and tendons will move... In the name of Jesus, so will the numbers on your credit card statements. So will the numbers in your bank account. So every single thing that you are called to do. I was, I, I was coaching an author this last week, week before, I don't remember. She's been struggling, struggling with it, struggling with the project. So we were taught, working through some lies that, she, that this author was believing about the project. And it was powerful. <laughs> And one of the lies was something like, uh, I can't do this, or I'm not good enough, or who am I to do this, or something like that. And immediately, I just saw an, an image, and I heard the word, it's already done. And so I began to, to coach this client, see, the problem you're having with this book is that you don't realize it's already done. You don't realize that the book was written before the foundation of the world. You don't realize you're trying to act like you're, you're, you're right now in the process of creating something. No, you're downloading something that you've already done. Because from God's perspective, it's all done. The vision for your life was finished before he thought of you. He didn't create you and think, oh, what am I going to do with this one? Whew, better think something up quick. They're about to be born. No, that's not how it worked. In Ephesians 2.10, in the Amplified Version, if I can spell it, let me read this to you, and I want to read it out of the Amplified in particular because it really brings out the point. See if I can get it here. It says this, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, 
recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, first of all, it says that we may do those good works. Well, you know what? Good works totally can be things like feeding the hungry and visiting the orphans and the widows. and the, Totally. But remember what I said earlier. When, what, what we call miracles, God calls work. So the works that God planned for us were not just like good deeds. They were supernatural things. And so when I was coaching this author, I was trying to explain to her, look... This is a good work that he preordestined you. I said, so Holy Spirit, give her a vision of the finished product. So instantaneously, she went into this library, this library in heaven, the kind that has really tall shelves, the kind of library like that, and it had, a, it had a ladders. And this particular author is close to having a baby, and they hadn't decided on the baby's name. But when she pulled down the book off of the shelf in the library of heaven that was already finished, that she was struggling to even start or write, when she opened up the book and saw the dedication, it was dedicated to her child, and the name of her child was in the book. You are one encounter away, is what I'm trying to say, from completely seeing whatever situation you feel stuck in from being completely set free. And the, the, the problem with the fall is that we get stuck in this physical realm and we, we aren't seeing the library of heaven. We're not seeing the, re, the realm of revelation that we're called to live from. We're not called to do things naturally. We're called to do things supernaturally. What glory does God get from you toiling and working the world system and living off of your paycheck? I mean, what in the world? I mean, we don't have a kingdom mentality. We have a first and 15th mentality. Like, are, our, are, are the goals things we can afford? Well, what, well, how does that glorify the cross? How does that glorify what Jesus has accomplished? I'm telling you, when I look at my goals, I shake in my boots. My, 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 my goals for the next two and a half months are completely, in my mind, feel totally impossible. They are not things that I can do or that I've ever done. Let's say that. They probably are something that I can do, but I've never done. But let me say this too. This requires that you get focused on something. Do you know how easy it is just to live? I mean, one of the biggest problems we have is just lazy. We just get up and, oh, another Thursday. Let me go make some eggs. You want some eggs, honey? Okay. Make some eggs. Oh, God. I need to do the laundry. Do the laundry. It, you know, it just, not. of course we have to eat. Of course we have to do laundry. You know, and I, I can hardly stomach, literally hardly stomach Facebook. 
Because what I see when I look at Facebook is a, is a bunch of people that are completely lost to their potential and the dream that God has in their heart for them. And they're just living ordinary, mundane, glorious lives. And every single one of God's kids was created to bring him glory, was created to reveal who he is. And he is a supernatural provider. He is a good daddy. And there are, and you know, it's funny to me because I really do feel like God is like, if there's no such things as problems in the mind of God, well, how does God look at abortion? How does God look at some of the things that we look at and think, oh, that is such a huge problem. That's never going to get fixed. Or who am I to be a part of fixing that problem? Well, who are you not to be a part of fixing something? Like who made you get on the sidelines and make you think that, that you, you just get to sit out while the world goes to hell? I mean, turn on the news and tell me somebody doesn't need to manifest the kingdom of God. I mean, are we just so hardened that we just think, oh, that's not my problem to solve? Well, somebody get in the game. I mean, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me, but yet wants to cook some eggs? Like, great, it cook some eggs. I'm, I'm not trying to make it like Gnostic and certain things holy and certain things. I'm not trying, but I am trying to say, I mean, that's honestly one of the things that I respected the most about Bill Winston. You know, he was a, a because I think, I think, well, multiple things. He grew up in the South. I mean, his first job was picking cotton. I think, I think coming from, Nothing. I, there's something about that. But then he grew up in a time where he would see the, the Tuskegee Airmen, which were African-American fight, you know, like they were the first, like, pilots. And it did something to him. It, it encouraged him to, 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 to pull out the greatness in his life and pull out and glorify God with his life. And so he made a decision he wanted to be a fire pilot. And so he enlisted and went into the Air Force and in, anyway, ended up flying F-16s in Vietnam. But there was something that happened to him through those experiences in the military and war. Because when he, he never has, and act like he's not here anymore, it's ridiculous, he's still alive. But he has an incredible awareness for I mean, he has a heart for the lost. He has a heart that we're in, a, he has a recognition that we're in a spiritual battle and that there are people suffering and that if he doesn't raise up sons of God and go, who's going to go? 
Like there's a responsibility, a personal responsibility, not to do God's part, but to do his part. And so I just want to, I just feel like I need to speak to people that have been, you know, feeling depressed and feeling, I mean, let me say this, without vision, people perish. Without vision, it says that people cast off restraint. They, they, they run wild. They don't know where they're going. They're aimless. I mean, I spent decades in bars because I didn't have anything better to do. And I just want to say, God has a vision for your life. He has a vision for the next three months of your life. He has goals. He has things that he, he wants to prove himself strong through your life. He wants to do something creative. He wants to do something spectacular. And he wants you to speak, (laughs) speak his kingdom into existence. To to do these things supernaturally, not just toil and do it the world's way. No, he wants you to do it supernaturally. And you know what? I feel like there's some even people that are listening to this that are going to do it supernaturally and then teach others how to do it supernaturally. And so I just release you into a supernatural week. I release you into <laughs> the realm of dominion. I release you into the place of speaking. Become, realizing you're a speaking spirit and, and speaking out of the spirit. And Lord, I thank you that if they don't know what to speak, they'll pray in tongues until they get, a, a, get an interpretation. that this is not a natural life we're living. This is not just a purely natural life we're living. That this is a supernatural, this is a, a heavenly operation that we're run, you're running here through our lives. And so I release grace. Woo! I just release it. I release grace, God. Grace to get up and speak. Grace, grace, grace. And I break off the assignment of the enemy to, to steal our voice and to cause us to fall asleep and just look at things from a natural, purely physical perspective. Father, you said faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Lord, I thank you that we have evidence of things that aren't seen, that we have, we can see the unseen. You said our light affliction is but for a moment while we look at the things that are not seen. Thank you, Lord, we can look at unseen things. We have evidence that there are things that are unseen. There are things that we are already have finished, works that we've already finished before the foundation of the world. Help us connect to the reality that it's already finished. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. This thing is finished. There are good works that you have finished. And so we call our future now. <laughs> we call our future now. We call our future now. In Jesus' name, we declare it so. Thank you, Jesus. We were born for dominion. Born to dominate. We are not at the mercy of the storm. We are not at the mercy of the situation or the circumstances. You are a God that calls things that be not as though they were, and we are a people that imitate you. We are imitators of God. 
We call things that be not as though they are. We, call, we don't call things as we see it. We see it in the spirit and call it as it is, <laughs> as it's supposed to be. Yeah, Lord, just adjust our way of being. Adjust our way of being so that we operate by faith, that we operate as mature sons and daughters. And that we are not like children, it says, tossed to and fro by the winds of doctrine and by the, the winds of the circumstances, God. No, we are stable. We are, our hearts are fixed, trusting in God. We are, we are stable people, Father. And I just release victory. I release victory, God. Victory, victory, victory. Victory. Home runs. Knocking it out of the ballpark. Whatever that looks like, God. Victory. Champions. I call you a champion. An overcomer and a strong finisher of 2018. In Jesus' name. Amen.